0: Hi there, Terry here with the 45th episode of the Animation Industry Podcast. Today I'm chatting with someone who's pretty much one of the four founders of Stop Motion here in Canada, as I consider him, because he started the first stop motion film festival in the world right out of Montreal. And so today's chat is going to be a lot about the history of stop motion here and where it's headed as an industry. But first, I have a sponsored message to share with you. And it comes from my friends over at Bloop Animation, which is an animation learning platform packed with premium online video courses for aspiring animation filmmakers. And they have courses for all major animation programs like Maya, Animate CC, Toon Boom, Blender, TV Paint, and many others, as well as some non-software courses like a storyboarding course, animation foundations course, and even one about making graphic novels, which covers absolutely everything you need to know from start to finish and their courses are all in video form so there are no deadlines or application process you simply just pick a course and start learning in seconds and they even offer a free ebook titled making an animated short which covers their entire process step by step of how they made one of their films from coming up with the idea, storyboarding, animation, and all the way to exporting the film. And you can get that book for free at bloopanimation.com slash animation industry. And you can check out their complete course library at bloopanimation.com courses. And I'll include both those links in the description of this podcast. So please check that out. Now back to today's episode. The person I'm chatting with today is Eric Goulet, who has been active in the film industry since 1990 since then eric has worked for several montreal production companies before joining soft image as a 3d product specialist from 1998 to 2008 and now he currently teaches stop motion animation at concordia university which is the same university from which he also graduated himself in animation so his passion for stop motion techniques pushed him to create the world's first stop-motion film festival in 2009, the Montreal Stop Motion Film Festival, now known as Festival Stop Motion Montreal, and I'm sorry about my bad French accent, and Eric has been constructing armatures also since 1988, and his diverse expertise, ranging from armature construction to animation, has made him a stop-motion staple in Montreal. Plus, I also have a personal connection to Eric that goes back over a decade because when I was 18 years old, I reached out to him for some career advice in stop motion, and he gave me a wonderfully detailed response back then. So let's jump right into the chat. So, Eric, I'm so happy to have you on the
1: podcast. How are you doing today? Well, I'm doing great. What about you, my friend? Thank you so much for inviting me. I think what you're doing is really incredible to connect everybody in the animation field, and uh, I, I'm very honored to be here, you know, and that you're interested in knowing a little bit more about me.
0: Yeah, of course, you're, you're uh, as I said in the intro, a staple in stop motion, and I'm happy I clicked record this time because we had to redo the intro. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, yeah, I'm very happy to have you on and thanks for taking the time. So I wanted to chat about uh, four main things with you. First, your journey into Canadian stop motion, because I think that's really cool how you came about becoming a pioneer by founding the first stop-motion film festival in the world, which is amazing, by the way, Um, your experience as a stop-motion professor, and finally, your ultimate plan to change the industry of stop-motion in Montreal. So let's start with where it all began for you.
1: Okay, so uh, I'm 52 years old, so I'm pretty much a generation that grew up in the 80s, and I was very, very fortunate to actually see star wars in the theaters uh, when it came out in 1977. Um, i was 10 years old i was in fifth grade i saw the movie my dad uh, took me and my brother to a screening and uh, i was just blown away i went like oh my god what is this you know what are the special effects how are they done the laser blasters and the spaceships and the little figurines you know on the chessboard." Uh, all of these things, you know, like really fascinated me. And uh, it, back in those days, there's no internet. Uh, so if you are looking for some information, well, you've got to purchase magazines. And we were really lucky in those days that we had the Starlog, the Cine Fantastic, the Magic, and all of that, that you could pick up uh, where they were uh, selling the magazines and you could read on how the special effects were actually done. So uh, gradually, uh, over the uh, the years i went from being a uh, a fan of uh, special effects and films in generals in the 80s and then at some point i said to myself hey i'd like to make films too you know i'd like to tell stories and that kind of led me to um, knowing a little bit more about filmmaking and eventually as i started doing my filmmaking i was uh, uh, that was in 1986 Uh, Somebody told me, said Eric, if you like doing, you know, uh, movies, why don't you go and study in that field? And I went like, what are you talking about? And he said, well, uh, there's uh, this university in Montreal, it's Concordia University, and they teach. Uh, they teach you how to make films. So, of course, I was in college. I was uh, au Cégep de Sherbrooke in those days. So uh, the next Monday after that guy had told me about this, I went to uh, the um, o- o- orientation uh, department or whatever, and I asked them for the, the big book that would explain all the classes of Concordia. And when I started going through all of this, I was like, oh my God, film editing and animation and sound and camera manipulation. And blah, blah, blah. I went like, okay. I want to go there. So when I finished uh, college, uh, I went to Concordia University. I did one year in film production. But uh, I must say that uh, that first year in film production, I didn't, it wasn't really a fit for me because I was mostly somebody that was very science fiction and uh, action oriented and things like that. And of course, that didn't really fit with the more... Um, visual artistry that uh, Concordia was uh, looking for. So I actually switched department. I went from film production to film animation. And in film animation, during that first year, we actually go through all of the techniques uh, from uh, hand-drawn animation. Uh, There was a little bit of computer animation in those days, but then I tried uh, stop motion animation. And as soon as I started sculpting this character, I it kind of clicked, it clicked in my mind that, oh my God, this is the thing, you know, that I can really do. You know, sometimes people will ask you, oh, what what are you gonna do, you know, when you're older, or they're gonna ask you, oh, do you think that you could do this? And sometimes there's some people that will answer, yes, I can. And until you really find, you know, your passion, you're always going to be, oh, yeah, maybe I could do this, maybe I could do that. But as soon as I discovered, you know, like stop motion animation, I knew that's what I wanted to do. So then after that, the course was kind of set and uh, I never stopped. I just kept on going after I graduated from uh, the university. Wow. <laughs> I <have> so
0: many <laughs> questions to ask you about. Oh, shoot. Uh, but one, one that's been sticking in my mind since kind of the beginning of, of your story is, when you saw star wars um for me i saw star wars as a kid as well but all movies had special effects in them pretty much mm-hmm. so it wasn't like it wasn't like super new right and especially nowadays with kids growing up like special mm-hmm. effects are like everywhere so yeah. when you saw it was it like totally new for of you because i know that there were a lot of like 80 sci-fi movies going on yeah back
1: but uh, but star wars started the trend i mean uh yeah. that's 1977 right so There was a couple of other films, science fictions that were done before, like Silent Running and things like that. But it was very, it was very kind of dark and it was about, you know, uh, life and how you're going to go through, compared to. Star Wars, it was like pure fantasy, you know, and it was spaceships and it was adventure and it was all kinds of things, you know, that was, I don't know, it hadn't been done, you know, like in that fashion. So it really struck the mind. And I think that's why Star Wars today is still seen, you know, as a milestone when it came out. Now, some people might agree or disagree with where we're at now with the Star Wars, but nevertheless, when it all started in 1977, it was a revolution. So... All the other films that you were talking about, like in the 80s, they all came afterwards, you know. That was the seed that was planted. And a little bit like uh, if we talk about uh, Phil Tippett, when he was younger, he was seeing the films of Rhea Rielsen. And when Rhea Rielsen was younger, he saw uh, King Kong, uh, which was made uh, with uh, Willis O'Brien for the animation, all the special effects. So there's always, you know, like a movie and a person that's going to influence you somewhere, somehow, and it's going to point you in the right direction. And um, a lot of people were saying, you know, when I when I was younger, oh, you're so lucky, you know what you want to do, you know, with your life uh, later on. And uh, I must say that uh, it never struck me as being lucky. It's just that uh, it's something that I really enjoyed and I saw myself doing in the future. And yeah, that's it.
0: So, so if you knew you were like this is what I want to do, did you ever have moments throughout your career that you were like maybe this isn't for me, or maybe I need to try something else because this is
1: tough? No. The, well, the thing is that I'm I'm a pretty easy going kind of person. Um, you know, sometimes when you go through life, you meet all kinds of people. You know, in in the work field, and some of them will have uh, concepts as to Oh, uh, when I'm going to be 30 years old, I need to be here and I need to do that and I need to have that title. Uh, when I'm going to be 40, I'm going to be head of a company and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. For me, I never had those goals. Um, I don't know. Call it uh, faith in life that uh, it will provide you what you need as long as I think you're uh, uh, good-hearted and you're doing you know, like the things that you really enjoy doing. Um, to a certain extent, it will fall in place, it might, well, it might take a little bit of time, but uh, at some point, everything comes, you know, to whoever applies it themselves, you know, like to do something. And sometimes I tell my students, I say, if you keep on hammering on that nail, people will recognize that wow he's really good you know at hammering nails you know that's what he's been doing you know like all this time so he must be an expert at it and that's what happens if you yeah. are always trying one thing and then switching to another and then switching to another and switching to another people won't really have time you know like to notice what you're really good at and what really uh, drives you so you just got to to keep at it but i i I agree with you that it's not easy. I mean, when you finish school, you start in the business because, uh, well, you've got to pay the rent and you've got to put some peanut butter on your toes, right? So you've got to find a job but the thing is that you need to push to try to find a job you know like in the field uh, that you want to go into and this brings me back you know to a story that uh, that when i was younger i was very fortunate that uh, when i was younger my dad always said you know at home said "Oh, kids are meant you know like to play they're not meant to work so i was really lucky that until i was 18 years old I was pretty much doing whatever I wanted during the summertime with my brother and my cousin and my friends. But when I turned 18, then my mom, you know, like came over, said, "Okay, well, maybe now it's time, you know, to find a little job, you know, and get into the field or the market or whatever. And uh, I told her, I said, well, I don't want to go and work at a company where I'm flipping burgers and things like that. And she said, no, 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 I'm not talking about that. Take the yellow pages look at the companies you know that are doing video productions or whatever, get in touch with them and offer your services. And that's what I did. So I made a couple of uh, uh, curriculum vitae and I went to some companies uh, that were shooting weddings in the area where I used to live and I gave them my CV and some of well one called me back he said hey i need an assistant you know like to carry the the porta pack that goes with the heavy camera for shooting weddings and that's actually how i started so i can thank my parent for having the vision of saying uh we want you to work but you're going to start to work in your field so it wasn't of course film it wasn't special effects it wasn't you know storytelling but at least i was getting my foot through the door and hey video editing, you know, like followed after that. And then after the other, other contracts. So um, I think if you always have, you know, like somebody that's kind of pushing you in the right direction, it will make uh, doors, you know, slightly open up and then you get to meet people and then you, it's just a matter of continuing.
0: Yeah, I, f- I feel that. I especially like what you said about how if you tried so many general things, you end up kind of, not mastering yeah. anything right mm-hmm. so so if i were to you know want your services right now what are those skills <laughs> that you've, you've developed <laughs> that people <laughs> go to you for
1: well wh- when uh, when people are getting in touch with me it's mostly for making uh, armatures for uh, stop motion puppets yeah. Uh, sometimes they get in touch with me for uh, doing foam latex injection, which uh, a lot of people hate doing, but uh, I love doing foam latex. I love, you know, like mixing that stuff, injecting it in the mold and baking it and having a puppet, you know, like coming out of there. I don't know. I, I get uh, some uh, fil- f- fulfillment <laughs> in doing that. So armatures, uh, either be ball and socket wireframes, uh, the foam latex, and also productions in general. Sometimes uh, companies will get in touch with me and they'll say, oh, we need to build a puppet and we might need some animation as well. Uh, do you know somebody who would be interested? They present to me the project and if I feel it's close enough you know, to the um, qualifications that I've got, then I'm gonna say, okay, I'll take on the project. And what is very fortunate about the position that I'm in right now is uh, uh, as a teacher, I know a lot of students, former students, and I know their their forces, their uh, what they're really good at. So if I feel, you know, that on the production, I need, you know, like some help for something specific, I've got a little list, give them a call or send them an email. Hey, are you free? You know, I could really use your help. And then they come on board, you know, and we work as a tag team. So uh, that's, that's pretty cool. So that's yeah. usually what we do. So you should be that, careful
0: saying this if, in case your students are listening. They know you have a list now.
1: <laughs> well, well, they already know. Uh, oh. Every single one of them uh, know. And actually, I invite them, you know, to be on my list because I cannot I cannot force them to be yeah. on it. But when I finish my class, usually I tell them, I say, okay, I know what are your forces and your fortes. So if you want to work in the field, just uh, send me an email saying that uh, if something comes up uh, that... Um, get in touch with them, you know, so yeah, it's very, it's very easy, very open.
0: So is it is it so you have this kind of mentality of you know I'm gonna develop my skills and kind of fall back into the world and mm-hmm. I'm assuming most of the opportunities you've had have come through people contacting you or through connections and
1: stuff. Yeah, that's that's uh, probably a, a little bit of information that sometimes my wife says you know like I hate you. You never had to look you know like for a job in your life. They actually <laughs> call you up. <laughs> I go like well honey I'm so sorry you know but but um, yeah you know i've never been somebody lucky at uh, winning money and things like that but i've always been kind of lucky at being at the right place at the right time or um, getting in touch with somebody at the right moment that something comes along afterwards and go like oh yeah that guy gave me a call the other day you know like i'll and i'll call him back so um Working at uh, William F. White, which was my very first official job in the field, which was just a rental house. They were renting film equipment. And I went there, gave them my uh, CV, and I said, well, listen, I'd like to work for you guys. If you ever need my help, you know, uh, there you go. And uh, that was the beginning of my search, you know, like for a job when I finished uh, the the university uh, at Concordia. And um, I... I visited these guys give them my cv and then i go like holy moly i don't know any other companies okay well i better go back you know like to my apartment and uh, uh devise a plan you know to see who else you know like in montreal i could actually send my uh, my services or whatever and then these guys they call me back the same day at five o'clock said okay We've got a production uh, finishing. Uh, Do you want to come in? And I said, yes, sirree. And I worked there, you know, like for four years. And the same thing happened after that with uh, production Pascal Blais. Uh, Bernard Lajoie called me up and he said, hey, we're looking for somebody to operate the uh, motion control system that we've got in the studio. Uh, Do you know anybody that would be interested? And I said, well, it's a darn shame I've got a job because I would tell you I'm the first one interested Oh really? Do you think we can talk? And there you go. That was the <laughs> second one. And the last one was at Softimage. A good friend of mine, uh, Teresa Lang. She was working there, and I crossed her path in a theater. And she asked me, "Eric, hey, how are you doing?" And uh, I'm I'm like an open book, you know. If I'm not doing well, you'll know. Even though I'm gonna say, "Ah, uh, yeah." Okay, what's wrong? Uh, I'm kind of fed up, you know, and I'd like to change, you know, horizons and jobs and things like that. And she said, why don't you apply at Softimage? We're looking for people, you know, for doing a quality assurance and testing the 3D software. Oh, really? And there you go. And I did 10 years. So I was very fortunate with all of those jobs, and I've learned so much. And maybe that's one thing, you know, that I'd like to tell the audience is that whatever job, you know, that you get, uh, sometimes you might feel, oh, Renting, renting film equipment, you know, like that's not working in the film business. Well, actually, I was there for four years and I learned a lot about uh, lighting equipment, grip equ- equipment, and then 16 and 35 millimeter camera, maintenance and repairs and all of that. <clears throat> so it was uh, a very good school for four years for learning all of that knowledge. So you pick that up and then you move on to another company and you learn other things. And then you just build and build and build. And that brings us to 2009. So 2009 is actually the year where I became a a contractor that I stopped working for companies and I actually became a company myself because uh, Softimage, the company I was working for, got purchased by Autodesk and uh, Autodesk uh, was uh, wanted to purchase the company. So what they usually do is that they let go of a lot of employees, like 50% of the workforce so that they reduce the, the price that they're gonna pay for the company. And I was part of that 15%. So I ended up, uh, well, I ended up back home And of course telling my wife, you know, that I lost my job and she started crying and she's looking at me with this I got this big smile on my face and she goes like, What why are you smiling? You know, like you just lost your job. I said, No, this is like the best thing ever. After ten years, you know, like I had done enough, you know, I wanted to do something else. And she said, Okay, what are you gonna do? And I just said, I'm gonna do stop motion. And she says, uh, well, what do you mean? You're going to do stop motion. What are you going to do exactly? And I just said, I don't know, but that's what I want to do. That's what I studied. That's what I kept on doing, you know, like weekends and weeknights and everything. I think it's time, you know, like that it pays off. So uh, I don't know life as a way, you know, of listening to all of this. But two months later, somebody calls me for a rock video in stop motion. They're looking for armatures. And he said, we've got four characters and a monster to do. Uh, Would you be interested? And I said, yes, sirree. And that was a production of uh, Patrick Peyris, La Famille Sac à Papier. And uh, since then, I never stopped. Uh, I got to meet people and making contacts. And uh, today, I'm as busy as I was uh, way back, you know, like in the days when I was working full-time for companies. And I think even more busy. (laughs)
0: Would you ever go back to working for a company again now that you've oh, had this? I, tip, so...
1: uh, it, it's sad to say. I, I don't want to burn my bridges by saying, you know, like, no oh, no, never. I'll never do that because what if companies are listening to the podcast? But um, it's really hard for somebody that has become a, a contractor to go back, you know, to a uh, nine to five or nine to six job because you are, you are having too much fun. I mean, yes, I'm working a lot, but I'm doing what I like the most. I'm doing stop-motion animation from the, the time I get up until the time I go to bed and actually my wife has you know like to put a damper said, okay you've done enough this week you know let's have some time off you know let's go and do something because I I could do this you know 364 days a year except Christmas, I was but, say it's Christmas. <laughs> but the thing is that I really enjoy what I'm doing and I know that I'm I'm very fortunate to be in that position yeah. and that's why I try to to give back and I try to give back a lot.
0: Well, I think that's great. I think I I love that you found something that you love, you're going to do no matter what type of thing. Um, one one question I had kind of before was, what are some of the highlights of your career? But I, I almost feel like you just went through them, unless there are other ones you want to discuss. Well,
1: I, I think the the super big highlight is probably uh, The Little Prince. When the yeah. movie The Little Prince uh, landed in Montreal, because of the uh, contacts that I had established since 2009 all the way up to 2013 that's a very short period so meeting some people working on some productions and it's uh my friend uh, dale ayward from a sea creature that actually uh, referred to me on the production of the little prince they were looking for somebody to make uh, the armatures and he said hey i know this guy in montreal he makes armatures uh, maybe you could ask him and i could maybe tell the story because it's 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 a really good one of the first uh Production meeting that I had because you've got to understand that we're in Montreal and there's there's no super big productions like that you know in stop motion animation so uh, just having this you know is kind of a dream come true and uh, I get I get called upon you know like to go to this meeting so there's me uh, there's one guy his name is Jamie and there's two other persons that are with us and uh, Jamie starts to talk about uh, the production. He says, okay, well, you know, Eric, this is a pretty big thing. Uh, The director is going to be Mark Osborne. And then in my mind, you know, I go like, Mark Osborne, the guy who did the film More, which is a stop-motion film, uh, and also, well, a stop-motion film that was done on IMAX, and it was anyway, there's a whole story, you know, like around all of this, and I was always in admiration of uh, Mark Osborne. So I tell him, Okay, wait a second. You're talking about Mark Osborne, the guy who did more. You know what? He said, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's gonna be. He's the director of the movie. So already in my mind, you know, there's kind of a little mini nuclear explosion that goes like poof. And then he keeps on talking and said, of course, uh, Anthony Scott is gonna be uh, directing or supervising the animation, and and I'm going like. Anthony Scott. Anthony Scott, You mean the guy who worked on Nightmare Before Christmas? And, and he goes like, "Yeah, that Anthony." So there's a second little explosion in my mind, we're like poof. Woo-woo. And then uh, at the end, Jamie is saying, "Okay, and on the production, we're going to be using uh, the software I developed with my brother, so it's going to give us uh, a chance, you know, like to uh, test it out and do all of that." And uh, so I go like, "Uh, and what is that software?" And he it says, "It's uh, Dragon Frame." Uh, are you telling me that you are the Jamie Caleri, you know, that developed this? You know, and, blah, blah, blah. and he goes like, Yes, Eric, that's me. And then there's like this third explosion in my mind. I'm like, Holy macaroni, I got to be on that production! <laughs> so, um, and of course, when I told Jamie, you know, this story, he said, Eric. Don't you prepare, you know, when you go to a, a meeting, you know, and do a little bit of research on the person, you know, or the people that you're going to be meeting and talking to? And, and in my mind, I just went like, why would I deny myself of that pleasure of being on site you know, and they're, they're discovering all of these things, you know, as it's coming along? So, of course, he was partially right. I should have prepared more, but it's one of the nicest and coolest kind of mini-meeting, you know, that I had, that my brain just went like, oh, my God, this is going to be so great. And, of course, at the end, he told me, he said, would you be able to relocate all of your equipment in the studio so that you're really close to us for making the puppets and the armatures and all of that? And I said, oh, yes, I can be anywhere you want to do this." So that was the beginning of a fantastic adventure, so from uh, July 2013 until uh, July 2014, we were uh, working. Uh, we were approximately at the peak, around 50 people, if you include all of the teams and people, you know, taking care of paperwork and all of that. And uh, I was able to refer six of my former students from Concordia University to work on that as well. So they're they're at the beginning of their career. You already have the little prints, you know, in your uh, resume. That, that looks pretty fantastic. So uh, we were really happy. It was uh, a very, a very good year that <laughs> that year. And, of course, the movie came out uh, in 2016, March 2016. And I tried to help out, you know, with the promotion of the movie locally here in Montreal, giving little workshops and theaters, explaining to the kids how stop motion is done. And, uh, yeah, so... Yeah. So that was a, a big highlight and meeting all of these people working with Jamie and Anthony and uh, Mark. Uh, yeah. I've got really good memory of all of that.
0: Well, thanks. Thanks for sharing that story. That's, that sounds like a dream to me also. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I think if you knew who you'd be in the room with beforehand, maybe you would have been nervous. <laughs>
1: would... Yeah, Maybe I would have been nervous or maybe it wouldn't have, uh, I think it would have tainted my, my it's, enthusiasm, okay. you know? So, Sometimes having little surprises like this, you know, I think it it keeps you keeps you on your toes and it makes you more genuine also.
0: Yeah, I also like that you uh, you mentioned how you kind of got some of your students in there, too. It's it's like circling back to what you were talking about before. I think that's I think that's great. So um, maybe. Do you, where are you at right now? I know you're working on some projects, you're teaching. Yeah. Is there anything else coming up like, like Little Prince? Did Little Prince change kind of the atmosphere in Montreal in slow motion? Yeah,
1: it, well, it, it, it changed it to a certain extent. And that's maybe a little bit, uh, well, it's it maybe a little bit of my sadness, you know, like at the end that's going to talk now, where as to when the movie came out, um, I thought that Montreal was going to pick up on that release and run with that business card in the sense that, hey, look, this was done in Montreal. We've got the talent, you know, we can do fantastic uh, work. Um, And also, I'm going to clarify just a minute. Even though we were, you know, like all of the basic talent, it was still the head of department. Some of them, you know, like were coming from the States and people were coming from elsewhere. But what I'm talking about is, uh, the the core team you know of the people that were uh, constructing the puppets and also uh, constructing the sets and things like that it was all people from Montreal and when the movie came out I remember uh, with the distributor uh, he was they were talking about of course the movie how great it was and everything but I I told them I said why didn't you attach Montreal onto the promotion of the movie and the feeling that I got from this is that they said, well, you know, we we want to keep this, you know, like on the international level. Mm-hmm. So either you can read it two ways, I think. Either you can read it that, uh, well, we want to keep, you know, a unified message for the promotion of the movie. Or we want to keep an illusion that it was done, you know, like somewhere where the magic is happening, a little bit like Hollywood, and that not necessarily, you know, like Montreal, Montreal, because it might influence people that, oh, it was done in Montreal, when in fact, you know, every single person that has seen the movie has fallen in love with it, and we only get, you know, like great compliments on the movie. So, maybe... It's never too late, you know, to use it as a, as a promo card, but Montreal has to kind of wake up and use that. Um, over the years, uh, special effects, uh, the game industry, film production industry uh montreal is known for that you know for uh, the x-men and all of the games of the ubisoft and all of those companies but for us you know like the little black sheep which is called uh, the stop-motion uh, team um we don't get you know like a lot of recognition we don't get you know like a lot of promotion we don't get we don't get we don't get and that's that's my sad heart you know that is talking right now that I think we deserve more. And uh, if Montreal would be, you know, to actually uh, help us out, you know, like we could give, you know, like a really good push because w- they've got the channels to promote all of those other uh, venues in Montreal. So why not, you know, like tack uh, uh, ourselves uh, onto this? But that's that's something we're going to talk about a little bit further down the line.
0: Well, maybe if somebody in uh, the government of Montreal is, is listening oh, yeah. to the podcast, <laughs> Then they'll, uh, you
1: know. Yeah, get okay. in touch so- with Eric. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, touch there. I'll
1: These tell you how
0: at the end of this podcast. Yep. Um, so, well, I do. I want to talk about the stop motion uh, film festival that you set up in Montreal. Yep. So maybe, maybe that's a good time to chat about that. So, yeah,
1: exactly.
0: Uh, it is the first stop motion film festival in the world. So first of all, yep. congratulations on setting that up. But how how did that come to be? Because <laughs> you said in 2009, you you know you were laid off. And uh, you were like, I want to do stop motion now, and then suddenly you created this international festival.
1: So let me let me give you the genesis of the uh, of the idea. Um, first of all, the the okay, if we go back to two thousand one, two thousand one, I start teaching at Concordia University. That means I graduated in nineteen ninety. I go back and. 2001 to the university and I say, hey, listen, you know, I'd like to have the stop motion class, you know, that I never had a chance uh, to get when I was at Concordia because they were they weren't, you know, like specialized in stop motion. There was nobody there specialized in it, except uh, uh, one of my former teacher for a brief period of time, Denis Roy, which gave us, you know, a, a small class of uh, of uh, one semester. But the thing is that there was nothing that was really targeted on that. So in 2001, when I approached a university, I said, hey, I'd like to teach uh, stop motion animation. I've been doing it for all these years. You know, I never stopped and I learned a lot. I'd like to bring back my knowledge. And they told me, he said, Eric, oh, but.'" We already have somebody. His name is uh, Brian Dusher. And Brian was an animator from the National Film Board. He was from the prairies here in Canada. And uh, he already started the stop motion class uh, at Concordia. So, of course, I'm a bit sad, but uh, Brian is a great guy, you know. So I say, OK, well, that's fantastic. And so as I'm turning around, uh, the lady at the counter says, Hey, wait a second. Why don't you leave your resume? What if something happens? So two weeks before the semester starts, September 2001, I receive a phone call going like Eric, you know, like we lost uh, Brian, he's gonna go and work on the stop motion project in Halifax. So I heard you were interested in teaching. Do you think that uh, you you're still interested I said No wonder of your I'm,
0: wife thinks you're so lucky
1: Of course I'm still interested so she says, okay well there's just you know like a hiccup you're starting in two weeks do you think you can write a curriculum uh, so that I, I have it you know like to look over I said, okay, we're Friday Monday morning it's on your desk and as soon as I hung up, I knew what I wanted to have you know like in that class I knew what I wanted to teach. And then it brings us, you know, to around 2007. Uh, you know, in Canada, we've got the film festival in Ottawa, the uh, Ottawa Film Festival, which has been a- around, you know, for many, many years, and the show animated films. And in 2007, I went there to the festival, and um, at the end of the festival, I'm coming back to Montreal, driving back with my wife, and I'm kind of sad, and Veronica looks at me, goes like, Eric, why this, why the long face? We just went to an animation film festival, you, know, you should be super happy. I say, yeah, it should be, but we don't get to see enough stop motion, you know, like in one program that's an hour, 15 minutes, we see a couple of films, and I want more. And that's when Veronica says that, well, maybe you should organize your own film festival. And that idea went in here, and it never left, right? So 2007, I'm still working at Softimage, so I don't have time. But when I get kind of laid off in 2009, um, I'm working on different contracts. And then there's a, a downtime, a period where uh, this idea comes back to me. And that's uh, in... Uh, end of july 2009 and i'm just giving you some some months because you'll see how quick it was so end of july 2009 i'm gonna like okay i want to put a film festival together uh okay i'm gonna do it in october so that means august september october three months to organize it. And of course I get some of my friends uh, with me and I say, okay, I need a poster, I need a website and I just need somebody to give me, you know, like some feedback on organizing or something. And then I've got um, the guys asking me going like, okay, Eric, so when do you want to do this? And I said, well, I want to do this in October. And they said, uh, well, October uh, is, uh, is fine because it's going to be October in uh, one year from now. So we've got plenty of time. And I said, no, October in two months from now. And of course, they start laughing and go like, Eric, nobody has ever organized a film festival in, in uh, two or three months. It's impossible. I said, listen, we've got to do it. Because there's a little voice that's telling me somebody else is going to do it, you know, instead of us, you know. So we've got to do it. So uh, I put I, I put my mind, you know, like in uh, mo in research mode for finding films. Uh, in 30 days, I received 113 films. I I did a, a call for entries. I wrote to every single website that we connected to stop motion animation. I told them I'm organizing a film festival. We're looking for films. Can you send this, you know, to all of your members? So in 30 days, I receive 113 films. I find a theater. Uh, I have a poster done. Uh, My friend makes a little website and the first edition or not even the first edition, the first gathering is happening in mid-October, 2009. At the end of the festival, on the Sunday night, somebody comes up to me, he taps me on the back, and he says, okay, Eric, we'll see you next year. <laughs> what? Okay, I guess we got to do a second edition. So then people started helping me out, and uh, I just kept on going. But during that second, that, that year that followed, somebody wrote to me, and uh, it was somebody from uh, Poland, and he said, Eric, do you know that you are the, uh, the first stop-motion film festival in the world? I said, you must be kidding. Other people have done stop motion events. There has been you know, other things. And he said, there has been things, but nobody kept on going. If you stop there, of course, you're just going to be like the others, one event and that's it. But if you keep on going, you'll be the first one in the world. And if you allow me, I'll start one in Poland and I'll be the first one in Europe. And I said, okay, sure, we go for it. So there's one that started in Poland the following Year And then the third year, somebody from Brazil got in touch with me and said, Oh, that's not a wonderful idea. We want to make one too. Can we have your blessing? Sure, you can start your festival. I don't have a copyright on you know, making a, a, a festival. So since then, we've got uh, Mexico, we've got Switzerland, Barcelona, we've got uh, uh, Poland, we've got Brazil, and there's others also that eludes me, but there's approximately six of us now that are uh, doing festival, that are strictly stop-motion orientated. Now, I said at the beginning that uh, the idea came from Veronica a little bit when she told me, oh, you should start your own film festival. But that period of time, you know, from 2007, 2009, because I was too busy, it's actually in 2009 also when I was teaching that a student came up to me uh, at Concordia and that student told me, that Eric. You transmitted to me, you know, like this passion of stop-motion animation, and I want to do that for the rest of my life. So, starting the festival was, first of all, for me, kind of seeing more films, but I discovered really rapidly that it could become a tool to actually assemble uh, uh, assemble everybody that's interested in stop-motion in Montreal, to kind of gather people that have the same interest, start to know, who is doing what, or you're doing a film in your basement, or you're working for a company, you're doing some stop motion, where do you get your information, where do you get your... There There was none of that before. Everybody was left and right doing their own stuff, and now we've got an annual event, where people get together, we see each other, we talk about things, you make contacts, and then after that, the rest of the year is, well, productions and things you know that are happening and people getting in touch and slowly evolving through all of this. So the festival was really a catalyst uh, when it started in 2009.
0: So I guess the real question is, why haven't I made it out to this festival yet? Well, I've been uh, on now, your mailing now, list since the since the inception, pretty much.
1: Now, now that I now that you know, you'll be with us, you know, like next year. We're preparing the uh, uh, the the twelfth edition. Wow. No, it's a lot earlier now. It's uh, mid September, ah. because as the years progress, uh, we discover things uh, that uh, well, organizing a festival. A lot of people are asking me, going like, okay, Rick, is it complicated to organize a festival? You need some film, you need a theater, you need to invite people, and you need a cake. If you've got, you know, like those four elements, all the rest, you know, is just uh, icing on the cake, right? So I always treated the film festival as a as a party, where we got some films we want to show in the theater, we got some people, and let's have a cake, you know, and let's have some fun. And... I always kept that mentality and I think it it pays off because people realize that when we are doing the event, it's actually from the heart. Um, there's not, there's no money to be made, you know, with a festival. There's not enough, you know, like uh, generating money for people to be actually paid, you know, like full time to work on it, to work on it. But we make enough money, you know, to kind of break even, and there's a little bit left over which we reinvest, you know, like in the following year. But um, it pays off in making contacts, getting the community together, and all of that. So for me, it was really important to see it that way, and I think that's why. We've got a very good reputation be- because people feel that we are doing it from the heart.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how many people came out to the first
1: festival? Oh, the first festival. Uh, that's a pretty good, uh, that's a very good question. I'm going to tell you that I don't remember exactly the numbers, but I'm going to tell you this. The very first edition, the people that were there were my colleagues, uh, the family and the friends. Those are the people that came because... The first edition, I didn't do a lot of promotion because I didn't even know if I was going to have some films. But when I saw that I received 113 films in 30 days, I went like, okay, there's a demand from filmmakers to project their films you know, in a the real theater setting. Not look, you know, at your film on your little iPhone, you know, and a little television and things like that. You know, like a real theater where it's supposed to be to be presented. So the demand was there. But because it was so short an organization, I only invited really quickly uh, people that were in my surroundings. So the friends, the colleagues, and the students at Concordia and things like that. But as the years progress, my friends kind of disappeared, my colleagues disappeared also, but they were replaced by genuine stop motion uh, enthusiasts. That means that people that we were finding along during the year, they would come and gradually they were replacing my original friend. Because w- we'll be honest, right? When we're making films and we're showing them, you know, to our mom and dad, of course they're going to say it's great. and But they're not going to always be there, you know, to look at the film. So there's kind of a natural turnaround with this. And in the end, what you want is in that theater that contains only 160 seats, you want 160 stop-motion, fanatic, enthusiasts that are there, you know, like to enjoy the movies and to share this experience and exchange on what they've seen and also learn, you know, like new things.
0: Yeah, How, do you get films from all over the world or is it yeah. is it, yeah?
1: All over the world. Usually uh, the, the festival, we present uh, between 60 and 80 animated shorts in competition oh. because we only specialize in animated shorts. The feature films, there's no point for us, you know, in showing them because they already have their distribution system with the Hollywood system and all of that. There's a couple of feature films that are done around the world. Sometimes uh, they get in touch with us, you know, and we can do a special screening at the theater. Mm-hmm. But what is our specialty is really the animated shorts. That means that in one program, which is an hour 15 minutes, you can see between uh, I don't know 10 and 18 animated shorts because they're all uh, they vary in in length, right? So you sit down, and the way that we organize this is like a roller coaster ride. You can have a comedy, and then after that, you're gonna have uh, something that's a little bit more uh, deep and emotional, and then we come back with a science fiction spoof, and then so the tech technique remains the same. It's stop motion animation, but it's used, you know, for, uh, I, I, for, for all of the colors of the rainbow, let's say. So it, it gives you a very broad range of everything that is being done around the world. And that's why we've got between 60 and 80 animated films every year that are presented in official competition. Um, how many do we receive? We receive between, well, 300, 400, 450 films usually um, before the festival. We go through a screening, uh, we are a comedy, we look at them, we rate them, and then after that, we pick uh, the the top most ranked ones. And it's sad to say that we go at the beginning of the list, we go all the way down here, and there's like a a cutting point that, okay, we've got only seven hours of screen time. We pick all this, but right here, there's beautiful films you know that we cannot present because we don't enough time have enough time and that really breaks my heart and that's the portion where you write back you know to the people and you tell them i'm so sorry you know like we didn't we didn't retain your film you know and it just it breaks my heart that is the toughest thing of all of the festival all the rest you know like i can deal with but that portion there of sending an email saying to somebody that we cannot present their film that that really, you know, like breaks my heart because to me, somebody that makes a stop motion film, there's so much blood and sweat, you know, that is being put into their ideas that you're putting on the screen, that all of the films should be screened. But unfortunately, if we yeah. would be a bigger festival, we would be more than just uh, Friday night and Saturday and Sunday all day, you know, like we could extend this. But um uh, yeah. Yeah, that's the nature of the beast, I guess. So
0: if you want to see all the films, you have to be on the board, I guess. Um, I, <laughs> I no, have a question we, about... We'll
1: be able to see them. Yeah. yeah.
0: So you, you've probably seen more stop-motion films than anybody, really, I guess, if you've had to screen these films for a decade. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm just wondering, after seeing so many different... Like, you've seen comedies, romance, sci-fi, etc. Every type of film made in stop-motion, what what kind of stands out to you specifically after seeing all this stuff? Is it, is it a story driven? Is it the technique? Like what is, what is something that, that makes you go, wow, this is, this is. You, stuff.
1: you know, I'm, I, I'm a very technical person, right? Uh, when I, when I make my films and sometimes my teachers at Concordia, uh, they would say, that said Eric, you know, you've got to, it's the animation, it's the story. That's what is important. And, but I was young and I was, uh, not naive, but I was young and I wanted, you know, like oh yeah, making armatures and building things, you know, that's really cool. So when um, we started looking at the films, um, I was much older, of course, and I kind of realized, and I know, I know the question that you're asking, and it's it's the story and it's the film, you know, as a whole. Sometimes hmm. um, I'll give you I'll give you an example. I don't remember the name of the movie, but there was one year where we received a film that was done by uh, a dad and his younger son. It was it was really uh, it was really rubber band, you know, and uh, it, it wasn't you know like as slick as the movies, you know, that you see in stop motion animation and all of that that people are fantasizing, going like, oh my god, this is so wonderful. But the story was so good that even if the little character, instead of walking, you know, like this, was actually sliding like this, it worked. So whenever we are looking at the movies, uh, it it the, it needs, you know, like to to have a story, you know, that's gonna that's gonna touch us or that we gonna that's gonna grab us from the get go. Um, and sometimes uh, you look at a film, you know, that could be. Uh, one minute long and a one minute long you know like it's going to be more powerful than a seven minute movie where things you know like are just dragged on so all of those things we factor them in so well yeah we factor them in as to I put myself in the shoes of the audience I'm sitting in the theater and I'm looking at this film so when the movie is finished I, I look at it and go like oh oh, my God, did that blow my socks, you know, and I want to tell the whole world, you know, that it's the best thing I've ever seen. Or uh, it was really good, and I want to tell people to go and see it. Or is it, you know, like, really good that I want to see it again? So all of these things, I'm asking these questions, and if I go like, oh, yeah, okay, well, I've seen it once. Yeah, it was all right. Okay, it's okay. So it, that that is what, you know, is grading the film. Now, you might say, but Eric, uh, aren't you afraid that this is going to taint the style of the festival in a sense that uh, it is a festival where Eric and his team are actually choosing the movie and it's going to be his style or vision, you know, that's going to prevail? And actually, no, because over the years we've we've changed and we've grown, you know, the the selection comedy. And I discovered that pretty much, you know, like everybody. Um, has the same um, expectation from a movie. They want to be entertained, they want to have a good story. If it's super well done, you know, like technically, great. If it's got, you know, like a little bit of clink clang, you know, like here and there, but it, it still works, it's even better. So the the people that are now, you know, like doing the selection of uh, all of the films, because uh, now I'm part of the administrative council, so I don't do that anymore. Uh, they pretty much think just like me because we did it, you know, for two years together. I know exactly, you know, like how they think. And I know that 90% of all of the films that are presented are exactly the ones, you know, that I would have chosen. And the little 10%, you know, that they're choosing is something that sometimes I would have said, oh really? And then it's presented and people go like, oh my God, that was so good. I go like, oh, okay. I guess <laughs> you know, like all the all the uh, the flavors of the world you know, are out there. So that makes for a, a good selection, let's see. So I, I,
0: another question kind of popped in my mind while you were talking about this. And it's something that I've been exploring in my own mind because I'm studying animation right now. So I'm studying mm-hmm. 3D and 2D and also stop motion on my own. Um, it's why... Why stop motion? Why not 2D, why not 3D, why not live action? But like, <laughs> what, what makes stop motion uh, the preferred medium for telling a story? And you've seen so many. What is your reason for choosing to do stop motion? Other than, other than you personally enjoy it, right? But yeah. from an audience perspective, what is that reason they need to see it in stop motion versus something else?
1: You know, that, that's a very good question. And um, over the years, Uh, People have asked me about this. Over the years, I've read articles and even myself, I try to understand, you know, what draws me to stop motion animation. Uh, I worked for Softimage for 10 years, which was a, uh, I was a product demonstrator for 3D software. Um, I'm not really well versed, you know, like in 2D animation, even though I know about it, but I'm not, you know, like the greatest uh, person, you know, like to draw. Stop motion, talk to me because I can work, you know, with those two hands and those two fingers. Mm-hmm. And I think that uh, the other medium, the hand-drawn animation, yeah, yeah, it's really great. It's on paper and thing. A computer, you never get, you know, like to actually touch you know, the things that you are doing. And there's kind of a, a digital dimension to it, you know, that you'll never be able to access. I mean, the images are all pretty and beautiful and all of that, but everything stays on the screen, right? Compared to us, we can actually get to know that puppet. We can take that puppet, we can hold it, you know, and it's something that is physical. And I think that as human beings, when they say that we need to interact, you know, with each other, because sometimes when I'm working here, you know, like uh, at home, I'm working in the garage and I'm building armatures and I work, you know, like for, I don't know, a, a full week and I'm all alone in the garage and at some point you know like i feel that i need to see some people and i need to connect with people and uh, oh i got to get out of here and and when i was younger it wasn't like that when i was younger i could just be secluded for a very long period of time i didn't mind it. but as you get older you are kind of looking for you know like this connectivity and i think that stop motion brings back this connectivity that you are looking for uh, for material working with uh, the matter but also uh, it brings you back and that's something, you know, that people have been seeing, uh, saying a lot is your childhood memories. When you yeah. were a kid, you know, that you were that you had, you know, like this doll and you were imagining uh, stories and adventures and you would make them talk, you know, and all. Now you can do this, you know, but because you're an adult and you've got more dexterity and you know how to tell a story. Now you can tell exactly those same things, you know, but uh, everything is is magical. And maybe that's that's the word, you know, that even by today's standard, where people uh, see uh, all of those movies with the special effects and everything, uh, when you look at stop-motion animation, you know that it shouldn't be alive, but it is. And it's moving on its own. And also, you get the awe of discovering, oh, my God, this is so well animated. And uh, somebody has done this. Somebody has this raw talent, you know, like to take a performance, transfer it onto the puppet, you know, and make it come alive and that you as an audience can connect with this object. I think it's this fascination. Um, Maybe a side thing that I could say is that um, why are there uh, the best making of movies are always made with stop motion animation? Uh, It's because when you look at them, um, a making of of something that is digitally done, well, they're going to show you a screen. They're going to explain, oh, yeah, well, we developed, you know, this uh, mathematical formula for actually doing this. And when I click on this button, it does that okay wow okay and then you've got somebody else on the other side say well i'm working with clay and i'm doing this and then i said i'm covering it you know with another material to make this mold and then i can do this and i'm going to insert you know like some metallic structure inside and then i'll be able you know like to move it around and to do this and then people go like oh okay they can better understand what is being done by this artist you know with the with the, the matière." Then the other person is going to go, yeah, I wrote a mathematical formula. And and if you hate, you know, like mathematics, oh, man, you know, it's not going to work. So I don't know. It's it's an appeal, you know, that you have, you know, for things that are being constructed, I think. Yeah, that's that's where it comes from, from me.
0: I was getting goosebumps while you were talking. So I think. Oh,
1: yeah. Wow. Thanks. (laughs) I I was trying to do my best. I really like that
0: answer of connectivity and bringing it back to childhood, because that's when I think about why I do it, it's for the same reasons. I, you know, I loved playing with clay and making stuff when I was a kid and telling little stupid stories. And now I get to do it in, in a way that it connects with other people. And, and they they also know that, you know, they can reach out and touch those things, too. And, yeah, I I, I really like that. So, um Thanks. I have two more things to talk about. Yeah. First is um, you know you, as a professor and teaching students, and mm-hmm. um, I'm wondering, is there a big now that you've been teaching stop motion at Concordia for a while, is there a big demand from students to to learn stop motion and get there, into it? Or there's a
1: huge very, demand. Huge. There's a huge demand. Um, I I teach I teach one th- so within the the corpus of Concordia University, it's a it's a three year uh, period. Um, you have uh, like a main branch, which is let's say animation one, uh, animation two, animation three, where you're actually gonna be making uh, different exercises and eventually leading up, you know, like to your final film of your last year, right? All the way to this, you've got different classes that you can take, like uh, uh, from idea to storyboard and uh, analytical drawing and a technical aspect and of course, stop motion animation. So that's where I come into play because I teach that one class and that class is only one semester. So it's September to December or sometimes January to April. Um, in the class, we can only take 16 students the class is always full. There's always a uh, like a lineup of students that get in touch with me, going like, Eric, hey can I please be in your class? I absolutely want to take this. You know what? I've been waiting for two years, and now I want to, I want to, I want to. But it's over, kind of oversaturated. So I, I, I cannot accept you know like more because it's kind of the policy of the university that yeah. we are capped at 16. But there's students that will be really sad, and they won't be able to take my class for another year so they've got to wait you know like a full year as it's going to be given back in september since 2009 when i started the film festival um there was something in the air uh with laika and Artman animation and tim burton there was you know like some productions that were being done and don't ask me why but i kind of felt that this was kind of the right time to start the film festival because uh Movie more and more stop-motion uh, animated films were being done. So in 2000 we had Chicken Run. So Chicken Run comes out. Uh, it restarts this, the the trend because Nightmare Before Christmas came out in uh, 1993. And in 1993 it's the same year as uh, Jurassic Park, right? So Jurassic Park kills stop-motion animation as a special effects art form. But then Nightmare Before Christmas comes out and it it shows the studios that, hey, we can do some stop-motion films, a little bit like Walt Disney is doing with hand animation, but we can make puppets, sets, and we can tell, you know, like, stories in their own world. So that's, that's a really big step for us, 1993. But then we've got to wait, you know, like, all of these years until there's another success, which is Chicken Run. We had James and the Giant Peach, but I think it didn't do that well, you know, at the box office, so it kind of fell through. But in the year 2000, Chicken Run comes out. That kind of restarts the trend, and then all these studios uh, are, are getting on board. So you've got the fantastic Mr. Farks and the Carbs Bride and all of that. And, of course, it, me starting the festival in 2009, I'm feeling this. And in 2012... That's when we get, you know, like this golden year where we've got uh, Pirates from Hardman Animation, we've got uh, Frankenweenie uh, from uh, Tim Burton, and then we've got Paranorman from, uh, like, uh, three stop-motion feature films, you know, like during the, the same year. I was so happy. That was, you know, like one of my best years. I was like, oh, yeah, stop-motion rules, you know? And uh, then we had to wait, you know, like as other films were coming along, you know, like afterwards, but... Um, yeah, that's why the, 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 there, there's a, there, there was a renaissance of stop motion animation and people falling back in love with it. All these younger students that I've got, you know, that they come to my class, you can see, you know from this interview that we are doing, I'm very passionate about this. So I just give them you know like a solid four hour of class on Tuesday night from six till 10. and then after that they're all pumped and they go like, yeah, let's do some stop motion animation, you know. So I just drive that that team of 16 students and then when they're done, you know like well, they want to keep on going. So yeah, there's there has been a resurgescence of stop motion over the uh, over the past years.
0: So are you looking to build up the stop-motion courses at Concordia so they can, you know, they do the semester and then maybe there's a level two, level three, level yeah.
1: four? So right now there is a level two because uh, I told, well, I've been hammering that nail. I said, we need another class. We need another class. And then at some point they said, Eric, do you think we need another class? Uh-huh. Yes. Uh, do you know what should be in the class? Yes. Animation, <laughs> animation, animation. So, uh, that second level, we just do animation. That means exercises, 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 exercises. We look at examples and then I give them, if I give them, um uh, guidelines and then they do a walk they do a jump uh, they're gonna do uh, atmospheric effects you know like all of these things and they just concentrate on the animation so there's no set construction in the advanced class there's none of that we just make you know a basic puppet and we use it for doing all of the exercises so the level one that's been around since 2001 is puppet construction set constructions and animation so we go through all of this then the level number two, which is brand new, I started doing that two years ago, uh, is the advance. And the advance, it's only animation. So yeah, we we are kind of growing, but the university is a big boat, right? It doesn't turn on a dime. Uh, you've got to hammer that nail, you know, like you've got to keep on going and asking for things. But I must say over the past uh, three or four years, um, I've seen... A huge change at the university, where we've got uh, more equipment, more space, and we're uh, better, better equipped. You know, like to do a stop-motion animation. So for me, as a teacher, I'm really happy. Uh, the students are happy as well. But of course, if we had more, you know, it, it would be great. But like they told me once, that Eric, we cannot, we cannot specialize in stop-motion animation. We are a, um, how, how can we say this? A, uh, a general program where we touch everything and it's the student that will develop its own style with the technique that he chooses so we cannot you know like narrow this too much so we keep it wide but if they want to go in a certain direction we encourage them to do so makes sense
0: so when somebody finishes the stop-motion course um, what do they go on to do in stop-motion
1: oh my god that is the the trick question, I must say, the the trick question that you're asking. And I'm not, I'm not going to invent fairy tales. Uh, When you finish university, uh, you're just like any other students, right? You're looking for work. So it's not necessarily the fact that it's not the willingness of the student to want to do something. It's more uh, the openings that you've got in Montreal. And that, Leads us to a, a, a kind of a portion of the program where I'm going to say that uh, we need to develop more uh, more jobs in Montreal in stop motion. So first mm-hmm. of all, The Little Prince was a total a total luck. Uh, the film apparently was supposed to be done in France, but because we've got very good uh, tax credits uh, here in Montreal those companies in france had some subsidies or branches here in montreal so it made sense you know like to take the production and bring it down here that's what i heard so of course we had the talent and we pulled it off and in my mind i was going like oh yeah it's because of the talent that we were able to do so <laughs> but a lot of people told me said eric you can dream that it's that but it's actually the tax credits but nonetheless we pulled it off. But the yeah. thing is that it's the only big production that we had. Plus, it wasn't full stop-motion animation all the way, right? It was a part computer animation and stop-motion animation. So right. I'm, I'm still dreaming of this production that we would be doing here in Montreal. You know, that's a full fledged stop-motion uh, production. So going back to your question. What can a student do, you know, that just graduated in stop motion animation? Well, there's some there's some outlets uh, uh, here and there. That means corporate companies um, that are advertising their uh, the the things that they're constructing via uh, stop motion animation on the websites. Uh, there's some companies that are uh, doing commercials and they're using stop motion uh, to to do so among other techniques. Um, there's uh, independent productions that are being done because we're really lucky in Canada that we've got a lot of programs that uh, independent filmmakers can apply uh, to get uh, subsidies or grants uh, and they're going to be able to make their films. So we've got Deck, we've got Telefilm, we've got also the National Film Board, which is another entity that will... Um, give the ability to a filmmaker to make his film but of course this filmmaker is not going to work alone so he's going to hire other people to work on it and that's where if you're lucky you'll end up you know, in one of those productions so there are some things that are being done but it's a little bit like being an actor, right? I mean, there's so many actors that are coming out of uh, schools, but how many of them will end up, you know, like on TV, how many will end up in a movie, how many will end up uh, just doing infomercial, right? So it's it's the artistic side of the business that you will need, you know, to uh, wiggle your way around and find a job. But if we go back to maybe the statistic kind of, You see in my class, I've got 16 students. I can tell you that out of 16, there's probably four or five that really, really, really wants to do stop motion animation. Others are taking the class because they're curious, they want to know about it. Some of them, you know, I'll turn them around and they'll fall in love with stop motion. Others, they'll go through everything. They'll do it, you know, but that's not necessarily what they'll end up doing. Those four or five that I'm talking about, those are the ones that at the end of the semester, I tell all my students, if you're really passionate about this, send me an email, let me know what you're up to, and you never know, I always have the phone ringing, a production that's looking for a juniors to build some sets, you know, and so that could be one way, you know, of getting into the business. So, I, I like I told you at the beginning of the, uh, of the entretien that we're having, is that I know I'm fortunate and I try to give back as much as possible, like my students that I was able to refer on uh, the little prints. So I do the same thing with the students I've got right now. Plus, I've got some people sometimes that are writing to me. Uh, they're in Montreal. Uh, they're, maybe they're in their 30s or their 40s, and they're going like, "Oh, I always wanted to do stop motion animation, Eric. Is there any classes? You know, like just take, you know, like to do some basic stuff and things like that." So sometimes I give, you know, like classes just to introduce people to a stop motion animation. So there's some teaching that can be done as well. There's corporate companies that don't even know, but they would benefit from having, you know, uh, little videos done in stop motion animation to promote their stuff, you know, on their website. So you've got to you have, got to have, you know, like a, a creative and also a positive mind in, in thinking about, okay, what do I want to do and how can I look at all of this you know, and turn it to my advantage so I end up doing what I really like, which is stop motion animation.
0: Yeah, well, I think that's really good. Um, by the way, I just wanted to jump back and say thank you for giving a very clear timeline of of kind of the stop motion industry. I've never, I've never heard it uh, kind of like set out like that before. You 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 started like Chicken Run and you and you went all the way to yeah. where we are now.
1: Well, um, the thing is that uh, with I'm fifty two, so I've I've been through like, all. all of this. I mean, a Nightmare for Christmas when it came out, I saw it in the theater and I was just blown away when like. Oh my God, who did this? You know, where do they come from? How come I did hear about it? So that's how you get interested in the business and then you kind of learn the history because you were there as the history, you know, like is being written. So that's what is cool. When I teach at Concordia, I teach a technique and all of that, but there's always at the beginning a little portion of my class that I call the puppet masters. And I talk about a puppet master that has contributed to our field and i explain to the students why they are important and then i show an excerpt of a production that they worked on and i tell you okay will vinton why is he you know like so important because of claymation this is what he's done and look at this and look at that and what's the progression between all of this so i always try you know like to do this because i think it's important to remember what was done before so that we can move forward, you know, and accelerate that pace so that everybody, actually, everybody learns and we grow, you know, like the industry together. Instead of just having everybody here and then you've got one person, you know, that's going to become really uh, well-versed and he knows everything, but when that person is gone, we go back, you know, to that level. We've got to grow the industry and everybody's got to learn, you know, like as much as possible. I know it's really hard because sometimes... People develop certain techniques and because it's, well, we're in the capitalist world, you know, like, oh, I've developed this. I'm not going to tell anybody how it was done. But actually, you know, like we should be sharing all of this, you know, so that we know more and more about how things are constructed so that we can have more projects and more people can work, you know, on all of them. It's it's a big wheel, you know, that needs to turn with the education and the production and needs to work together.
0: So maybe this is the perfect segue into how you want to influence the industry in Montreal. I know you have some phases.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Phase one, yeah. Um, I'm, you know, like I'm, I'm like I'm like a uh, a cartoon character in a movie, right? Whenever I think about things, it's never oh. Let's have a party! It's let's have a super duper mega ultra party that's gonna you know like uh, for me the life life is always in superlatives you know I I can just pile as much as I can, and when I came up you know with uh, the phases was from movies where you go like okay now it's time you know like to engage phase two and I said to myself okay phase one that's the festival. The festival was phase one of the master plan where we need to put Montreal on the map. We need to know in Montreal who is doing things, you know, and uh, get people, you know, like together. So that was phase one. Phase one has been around for the past 11 years. I've got a solid team in place right now and the festival will keep on going uh, for for people that are listening to us and they don't know exactly what we're talking about, uh, I was the director for the first 10 years of the festival. And after 10 years, I said to myself, okay, I think I've done enough of, of that portion of my life to the festival. Now that we've got a team in place, I'm gonna go on the administrative council. So I'm not gone, I'm still around, I'm helping out you know, and things like that. But let's say I'm not as heavily involved in the festival as I used to be, which brings me to the phase two phase two is we need to have more productions done in montreal so when i was uh, renting uh, in the middle of our uh, chat about uh, montreal promoting stop motion in town um if nobody's doing it i'm gonna have to do it and that that's that's how i am in life you know if i if i don't have something you know that i think should be there i'll go okay well i'll do it even though I know nothing about this, I'm willing to learn, you know, I'm a hard worker and uh, I think that I've got enough energy, you know, that I can, I can drive such a project. So right now I'm in phase two and phase two is um, getting to know in Montreal who are the, the contacts that can help me, you know, like promote uh, worldly what could be done and uh, try to bring some productions in town. Recently I spoke with uh, a professional in the field and uh, she told me, she said, Eric, you know, like to bring big productions like this, you know, like in Montreal, you've got to show them that you're capable of doing it. And I said, well, we already have the little prints uh, that we did. She said, yeah, but it's not full stop motion. It was just short segments. You need to do, you know, like a a project to show the world, you know, that it, it can be done with the team that you've got here. So there's some people I've been talking to and they're kind of sending me in different directions. And are like, okay, well, the bureau de cinéma, you could talk with some people in there. Okay, well, you could do this, you could do that. So slowly I'm gathering all of this uh, momentum and this information. And at some point it's, it's just going to go on, you know, like to the, the next step of the phase two. Now there's a third phase, which I call, well, of course, phase three. And phase three, I'll be honest with you, I don't talk a lot about it because um, it's not a question of jinxing or it's not a question of, but I just got to um, figure it out. You remember when I was talking about this big wheel that productions cannot happen if we don't have education. So right now there's some education that is being done in Montreal on stop motion animation, mostly through my course, but there's also other courses that are being given, you know, like left and right, but actually we need an entity that will be uh stop motion specialized and uh, would be able, you know, like to actually put this in place as, i can say it as a school as a uh, as a um, a court you know a cooperative or something like that we we need to do this we need to do to crystallize this so this can happen if we bring you know like productions in town and the people are not qualified enough you know like to work on it then that wheel is not going to budge right now you know like i feel that there's a momentum like this you know right now it's turning where a lot of people are following courses and we've got professionals that are coming to the festival uh, to give workshops and we're learning about all of these things but until you know like this goes more we're still looking, you know, like for production. So we need to find producers that are willing to come to Montreal and give us a chance, you know, like to to do so. But when we're talking about chances, that's something you know, that producers don't want to hear, right? They've got money, they want to invest, and they want to make sure, you know, that it's they're going to get, you know, like a return on the investment. So we've got to play our cards right. Uh, and we've got to think about how we can approach uh producers like this, you know, to bring them in town. I know that I've got the heart for it, you know, and everybody loves stop motion and everything, but in the end, it's also the the um, the talent that you put on the screen that will sell so people can go and see the movie, money goes back to the producer, producer is happy, and then he comes back here and he makes another movie and that's how the wheel is going to turn. So it's phase two and phase three need to work together and that's what I decided to work on for the next couple of years. So that's why the festival, I've taken a, kind of a backseat to it. Everything is peachy, everything is moving along, but on my side, I've got some new, uh, new terrain to explore and it's got to happen quickly because... Uh, uh, more and more students are coming out of Concordia. More and more people are interested, so we got to get that ball rolling.
0: Yeah, for sure. Well, I mean, it sounds super inspiring to me. It also sounds like you have a very clear vision of what is needed. It's just a matter of the pieces coming together. So yeah, I hope I hope that you know I can help contribute to this too because I I'm really I really love this idea of yours.
1: <laughs> You'll <laughs> Although, know <I'll laughs> need all the help I can get. <laughs> Yeah, that's awesome. We'll, so we'll see, how, we'll see how the future uh, unveils, you know, like all of that strategy.
0: I was, I yeah, I was gonna ask what your biggest challenge to overcome in your near future is, but it, it almost sounds like you just kind of you yeah. just laid it all out there.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's the one. Uh, I'm I'm really busy right now. I'm doing contracts left and right, and I'm teaching left and right. So uh, that keeps me busy. So uh, whenever I've got time, you know, like to think or to talk with people and pick their brains, you know, like I try to do so. But uh, I'll be honest with you, it's moving a little bit slower than I had anticipated. But that's another thing I discovered also in life is that if you push too much for something and it's not budging, it's because it wasn't the right time. Uh, The doors will open when they're ready to be open. And I'm so I don't know, I'm so confident and positive about this. That's why I don't worry too much. I know there's a lot of work to be done. But I know somebody somewhere has a key that I need, you know, like to unlock this, you know, and just slightly open the door. And when people on the other side will see us coming, then they'll embrace this and go like, "Oh yeah, that's such a good idea. Why didn't you come sooner? I didn't have the key yet." So there you go.
0: Fair enough. And then and then your wife can uh, can keep being angry that all these opportunities <laughs> come to you.
1: <laughs> well, I, 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 well, actually, she's really happy for for me because. I'm doing, what, I'm doing what I really love. And like I was saying, you know, I'm, I'm a very fortunate person. And that's why yeah. I try to give back, you know, like as much as possible. Um, it's not a question of, oh, if I don't, you know, like I'm going to lose this uh, mystic era of things happening to me. But I think it's just common decency that uh, when you've got, you know, like some things to do and yeah. you've got too much, why embrace all of this, you know, and burn yourself up when there's so many people out there you know are, who want to learn, who want to do it, and uh, you can just take their hand, bring them on board, you know, teach them some stuff, and that's how the community is gonna grow. So we've got to, uh, yeah, so we've got to get to it.
0: yeah, well, i I really admire that. I, I'm very happy we chatted and and um, it's very refreshing to hear also that you're doing exactly what you love doing, I think yeah. even, Even in the animation industry, there's a lot of dreams to get in, and then some people, when they get in, you know, they get stuck doing something that they didn't intend to do, and then they have these dreams to do the thing they always wanted to do. So, I think it's amazing that you're doing that, and that's kind of what I'm on a path to discover myself. So.
1: (laughs) But the thing also is that everybody's human, and uh, if you get in touch with me back, you know, um, uh, well, if you if you get back in touch with me in December at the end of December. I finished the year, and I always do a little retrospect of what I've done. I go like, okay, I did this, I did that, I did this, I did that. Oh, I did all of this, you know, like for other people. Uh, Was I able to work on my own film and do my own stuff? I didn't. So I get a little bit, you know, of a downer. Like, okay, next year I'm going to try, you know, like to at least sneak in, you know, like a little something that will make me happy. Construct a puppet, sculpt a character, do something, and... But I think my my purpose in life is actually to help out other people uh, make their own stuff. It sounds kind of weird because some people might say, "But Eric, you're contempt with this, you know, of helping others." Well, I discovered that I'm really good at it. I'm really good at uh, having people come up to me and uh, confer. Uh, in me, the 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 well, the dreams that they want to do, you know, of constructing a puppet or doing this or doing that, and I can tell them, yeah, we can do this, we can do that. I can help you out with this. I can give you th- advice on this, but you need to talk with somebody else, you know, for doing that. So after a while, you get recognized as somebody that, oh, Eric, he's got good. Um, 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 good advice, you know, that he can give you on your production. And sometimes there's some people that are just referred to me, which I don't know at all. And go like, hey, Rick, they told me you were the go person too for uh, I've got questions regarding this. And a little bit like you did, you know, like many years ago when you wrote to me. I mean, we didn't know each other, Terry. And I I saw your email and I felt, you know, that you – you really wanted to do this, you know, but you were kind of lost a little bit. You didn't know in which direction going. And I kind of felt this and I put myself in your shoes and I went, like, if I would have been, you know, like younger and I would have written to somebody, I would have wanted them, you know, like to give me some feedback and give me some advice and uh, just encourage me, you know, like in pursuing and doing it. And uh, and that's why when I wrote to you, I, I, I remember when you told me, I went back to that email and I saw this exhaustive, super long email yes. like I wrote all of this. You oh my God. Paragraphs I have tons and paragraphs of time in these days. It was, it was
0: <laughs> so helpful. I, you know, and and I remember I didn't remember it was you specifically, but I remember getting that email and it it was really encouraging. But I also in my like immediate life, I didn't have uh, I guess the vision for myself or the opportunities in front of me where I felt confident enough to take that path. So even though you gave me that email, it also confirmed to me that, you know, what I needed to do at that, that point in my life. So yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm rereading your email now and uh, yeah. going full forward. So. It's
1: never <laughs> and- too late, my friend. Stop motion awaits. Yes.
0: But you, you uh, just while you're talking now, I remember you said something in our pre-chat when we chatted a a couple of weeks ago, it's you always try to move the ball forward, even if you can't help in a specific way. So if somebody reaches out and you're like, oh, this isn't my area of expertise, you don't, you don't stop the ball rolling. You, you, Pass it on to somebody else, or in and in push them in a yeah.
1: different. I I I think it's uh that that matter of what they call you know like positive energy. That uh, okay. if somebody somebody comes to you and they're asking for something, you cannot just slam the door. If you just slam the door, you know like you're just uh, negating all of this and that person. You never know how that person is gonna react, you know like to the to this thing. So whenever somebody gets in touch with me, I I, I always and I try as much as possible to always write back. And if I'm not the right person for the, for, for the advice, I try to point them in another direction. I try, you know, like to get the, the ping pong ball, you know, uh, on the table to bounce back and forth. You don't want to lose, you know, like that ping pong ball because you never know uh, that person, maybe in the future we'll be doing an animated film and they're going to get back in touch with you and say, hey, you know, like you give me some advice, you know, like way back then. And now I'm working on this production. I've got a little bit of money. Uh, I'd like to hire you to uh, work on my movie. So that wheel uh, is always turning, as I say. So instead of stopping it dead, uh, just give it a little tap, you know, and okay, keep on going and do this and put a a tap on the back. And I, I think if somebody has, you know, like enough, Courage, you know, like to send you an email, you should at least, you know, like reply and try to be as helpful as you can. So I know I've been really busy in the past couple of years and my emails have gotten a little bit shorter. Yours was really long. I read it and <laughs> I was like, oh my God, you know, I must have been on the not unemployed, but I had a lot of time in those days. Now I try to reply. Well, but I mean, that was, of,
0: uh, that was, that was mid, that was 13 years ago. So. Early 2000s. Yeah.
1: So I, uh, yeah, I was working at SoftMouse. I had more regular hours, you know, like uh, from nine till six or something like that. So at <laughs> night and weekends, I was able to answer things. Well, there you but go. Uh, and, no, and like like you said,
0: keep the ball. We are talking all this time later. So yeah. yeah. Um. Well, it's it's been a pleasure to chat with you. Is there anything else you want to share at all?
1: Oh, I, no. I well, I just want to tell people, you know, like to pursue their dreams. Um, uh, yeah. I know it sounds corny or sometimes you know like you hear people you know like saying that but just keep on hammering that nail and if you are you know like uh, you keep on going somebody will notice at some point Uh, might take a little bit of time you've got to be patient like for me i i i truly found you know like my stop motion uh, groove uh, in 2009 but i have been working in the field you know like all this time so never give up on the uh, the little voice you know that's telling you oh you should be doing this oh have you thought of that you know that's that's what makes a thing uh, move forward and uh, don't be afraid you know like to organize things also Mm -hmm. a lot of times i i feel that people are just uh, waiting for things to happen when in fact i discovered a long time ago that uh, the the best person you know like to serve the ideas that you've got is yourself you know like just Get on that keyboard and write a first draft, you know, of your ideas, just put it in the back of your mind and it's just going to simmer. And then at some point it will bubble up and you'll go like, okay, I think the soup is ready. Let's uh, let's do this, you know. So, yeah, yeah, let's just keep on going. That's what we want. And uh, Stop motion rules, you know. I know sometimes I tell my students, you know, like oh all the other techniques, you know, it's not it's not as cool, you know, as stop motion animation. So I'm gonna say it, even though everybody, you know, like that's listening to the podcast is probably gonna say, Yeah, 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 well computer rules and da 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 da. <laughs> but stop motion, uh in my heart tattooed everywhere so there you go well like half of half
0: of my episodes are just about stop motion now
1: (laughs) (laughs) so you see uh, conquering the world the legion (laughs) of stop motion artists yeah well i like
0: that you said don't give up on your dream because i i did not hear that enough when i was growing up and even this past 10 years and i don't think people hear that enough and when they do it's kind of like this you know cartoony kids thing it's not like a serious yeah. adults endeavor and but in the same light like you said like nobody's going to come along and be like you know what you know uh, i'm going to make eric's dreams happen no eric has to make his yeah. dreams happen <laughs> so yeah. don't give up on your dreams but you you have to you have to be the one to push that forward too so
1: yeah find a way and just do it and go baby steps sometimes also people think you know that oh i want to have all of this done you know like bam you know in a very short amount of time Sometimes, you no, know, it's tiny little baby steps you know, that will lead you uh, to uh, something. And I, I could maybe finish with this just to give you an idea is that um, a long time, a, a couple of years ago when I was working at Softimage, we were working with computers and uh, it was all, well, not repetitive, but we were working digitally. And then at some point in my mind, I went like, okay, I miss, you know, like being creative and doing things, you know, with my hands or coming up with ideas and all of that. So at Softimage, I created what I call the Creative Club, which was a, um, uh, a, a lunch gathering every two weeks where uh, people would just come sit around the table and then we would go around and say okay so, do you have some, some stuff that you're working on? And then the person would say, oh, yeah, well, I always wanted, you know, like to uh, sculpt a character da, 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 and I'd like to experiment with this and that. I said, oh, OK, that's pretty cool. And then second person would say, oh, I always wanted, you know, like my guitar. I play the guitar and I always wanted to try, you know, like this riff, but I've got a really hard time." or so... and then we would go around like this. And that takes, you know, like half of the lunch hour. And then the other half, we would go around and I would say, OK, so what are you going to show us, you know, like in two weeks from now? And the person would say, okay, I'm going to purchase the material that I need to, to do my sculpt. That, that's my little goal that I'm giving myself. And the other one would say, okay, well, I'm going to dust off my guitar, you know, like I'll bring it in two weeks, you know, and I'm going to have it tuned and I'm just going to show it to you. So you see all these little baby steps. We kept on meeting, and in the end, you know, like people would come up, you know, with something. Hey, I made a small animated films, you know, like I'm gonna show it to you. Wow! A couple of months ago, you know, like you were just thinking about it, and now you've got, you know, like a little short, uh, not even a story, just a short animation test, you know, that you have done. So sometimes go with baby steps instead of doing the whole thing, you know, like all at once, and also. You will enjoy it more instead of uh, doing everything, you know, like all at once, you know. And you might cut some corners and things like that. You do a little baby step. Oh, I'm going to do this. Oh, yeah. And then after the following week, okay, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that. And that's that. That has worked for me a lot. Doing this and making little lists and uh, just scratching off, you know, like a baby thing, you know, that was supposed to be done, but. I did it, and then I scratch it off. I move on to the next one. So there's tons of tricks like this. I didn't invent this, you know, but it's just tricks yeah. that help you out, you know, like in moving forward. So. Well, yeah,
0: I think that's I think that's great advice to leave on. So, Eric, thank right. you so much for coming on the podcast. It's been a real pleasure to have you.
1: Well thank He's you for trying. having me and uh, I'm really happy that we were able to talk you know like about all of these things. Sometimes I get you know like interviews and uh, I can only talk about you know like a certain portion but mm. I feel that this podcast actually has all the the links of all the, the main main chain videos. and now you know that uh, this chain is made of stop motion you know like from A to Z so uh, yes. well, actually I should say from a to the letter p i still have to work from that letter all the way down to Z, you know because we got so much more work to to get done but it's very encouraging when you talk about what you've done you see okay i was able to do all of this let's keep on going so that's another thing also sometimes look back over your shoulder at what you were able to achieve and uh, take uh, take a deep breath you know and keep on going yeah yeah thank you terry wow. for uh, the thank opportunity you.
0: And if you're listening and you'd like to get in touch with Eric, you can head on over to his uh, the the festival's website, stopmotionmontreal.com, and send in an email there. And uh, that's all for now. Thank you so much for listening. Okay, bye.